Welcome to the Chatter in the Box podcast, where your hosts, Liam Skiffington and Matt Indominico, discuss all things baseball. From breaking news to the latest free agent signings, they'll dive into today's game with some of the top minds from around the league. You can catch the latest episode of the Chatter in the Box podcast on Apple Music, Spotify, or Amazon Music, or visit our website at www.chatterinthebox.com. Welcome back to another episode of Chatter in the Box. You might not recognize the host voice today because it's not Liam. It is quite, in fact, me, Matt and Domenico. I'm here. Liam's smirking on the other side. Liam, say hello to everyone. What's going on? Uh, just a huge day, huge day in the history of the show. Matt's first guest. We'll see if he actually shows up. Nothing would make me happier than him not showing up. So but he's been talking about I'm this. I'm excited. <laughs> he's been talking about this for weeks where this is the first time, like he said, I, I've actually booked someone for the show. And he's hoping and praying that he doesn't show up so he can throw this back in my face whenever he wants. Like we talked about earlier on like episode one, Liam wants and needs every bit of ammunition possible to fire back at me. That's the sick relationship that him and I have, but that's neither here nor there. It's not even that, Matt. As your as your friend and I'd like to think mentor at oh. at times, you need to you need to understand that sometimes when these guys make commitments, they just don't show up. So you can do all this work basically for not. So you need to I need you to learn that lesson the goddamn hard way. Liam was in Arizona uh last week um i i wanted to to bring this up because uh it's very relevant with kind of where the direction this podcast is going um he attended the perfect game showcase down there and i wanted to give you the floor pal to talk about it talk about your experience uh who'd you get to talk to and what i guess content should people expect to see coming out of of that showcase so we went to Arizona on Thursday, last Thursday, I believe, and it was the 2024 class of 2024 showcase, which means all of the high school players in the class of 2024, the best high school players in the class of 2024 go to Arizona. They go to Chase Field where the Diamondbacks play and they put on a showcase. They do a little tournament um, in front of a million scouts, million agents, million teams, right? So we get there. I've never been to Chase Field before. I've never been to Arizona before. First of all, the heat in Arizona, it was literally 115 degrees. But they say it's a dry heat, right? So I would take, here's my take. I would take that 150 degrees or 115 degrees in Arizona over in 85 in Massachusetts or New Jersey because in Arizona, there's literally no humidity, mm-hmm. but- Here's what I will say. The wind in Arizona is deadly, yeah. and here's why. Oh, totally. You're going to give, si- give us a little science I, lesson here? I'm going to give you guys some travel tips. Oh. There, when, it, when, it starts, when the wind starts to blow, I almost said when it starts winding. When the wind starts to blow, it just – dude, it feels like you just walked into an oven. It, it's not refreshing like at a, all. Like a, like a conventional oven. Those are the ones yeah. with the little fan in the back. Yes, actually, imagine like you, imagine you, you opening. Chefs. Imagine you opening your oven and like that waft of heat that gets hit in your face. Imagine that just three times hotter on your whole entire body. That's what Arizona wind is like. 
like nothing I've ever experienced. But like I said, you don't feel, even though you're in 115, you don't feel gross because you're not sweat. You don't have like, there's not enough fluid in your body to sweat. It evaporates before it even like gets out. So I'd be at risk of borderline death out there is what you're telling me. You can never go to Arizona. You can never go to Arizona. That's that's going to be tough. It's still on my bucket list. So that was that. The resort we stayed at was beautiful. Um, I learned that I will probably never travel again unless it's staying at a resort like that. They did everything, man. And I'm talking everything. You didn't have to ask for a goddamn thing. They, let's see. Every day they would come in and clean your room. Every day they would take the they would take the wires to your shit, like your chargers and stuff. They would wrap them up and they have their own little branded like wrap things that you like you slip them through and it keeps them tied. So you paid you paid premium at a resort so they can wrap up your chargers and free do you marketing. Know, material. Do you want to know do you want to know what a bottle of uh Johnny Walker Blue cost at this resort? I think everyone does. Get, I want you to guess first. See, I don't even know the market value of Johnny Walker because I'm not, I'm not a. Uh, is that even whiskey? Yeah, I think it's whiskey. Okay, so uh, let's say. Okay, market- but if you don't, if you don't want to do that, Matt, guess what the, guess, no, guess what the bottle of Tito's there cost. All right, sixty dollars. The bottle of Tito's there cost four hundred dollars, and the bottle of Johnny Walker Blue cost sixteen hundred. Did you say 400 and 1600? 400 for a bottle of Tito's, man. And like when I was there, I looked at the menu and I was obviously we weren't getting a bottle, but I was mm-hmm. just curious. And if you like, you get a handle of Tito's for what? 30 bucks, 40 bucks? Yeah, I think it's like, I'm, I remember like when it was like 24.99, but um, you know, I'm not a, you know, I'm not Uncle a numbers Joe, guy, Matt. Thanks to Uncle Joe, Tito's is probably like 40 bucks now, yeah. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I'm not a numbers guy, but. I would get like, let's say 40 bucks, 400. Is that a thousand percent markup? Um, you times 10, that's 1000% markup. Yeah. Good yeah, math, buddy. That's thanks. While wow, you listened thanks. in second grade. Yeah. Um, so that's insane. That was one of the most insane things I've ever seen. I didn't know if I almost called the front desk and asked if like the bottle of Tito's cured cancer or like, could solve world peace or anything like that just because if you're paying really good content to be honest if you're paying 400 you might as well like throw in something extra but regardless resort was beautiful our balcony was beautiful um so then let's get let's get down about tell us about the actual showcase huh yeah (laughs) so got 20 minutes on the resort and the show's over yep so we get there the actual showcase was super cool we get there we go downstairs to like the Diamondbacks like offices below the facility got introduced um to a couple people that was cool it was just cool to see like the concourse below the actual concourse I'm sure you could probably see that on a tour or something but I'm not too sure I didn't do a tour um unfortunately was not able to get on the field and unfortunately the entire ballpark was not open it was only like about half of it so like Mm -hmm. um like the you know the netting they have at MLB parks, Matt. For, it was for foul, only from foul balls, yeah. 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 So you during the game you could only be there from net to net. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't go check out like the pool in center field or anything that was out there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and there really was not a lot of people there. So this experience was a little different than honestly anything I've been used to for a couple of reasons. One, because it's perfect game. These are 15, 16 year old kids, class of 2024. They're juniors. Most of them are committed. Um, but like they're not, they haven't been exposed to professional baseball yet. So like I like to say they still have that passion for the game. Like the, the game has not been ruined for them yet by it becoming their job. Um, and I hope for all those kids that never happens. I hope they never have to deal with that. But unfortunately, that's which it happens for a lot, though. It yeah, does. that's what I, that's what I'm saying. Um, especially kids from like like top prospects from a young age. Like they, I think of like Blaze Jordan or Bryce Harper, like guys like that who just have had a camera in their face, been in the spotlight for longer than like blaze jordan has been talked about for it feels like 10 years he has yet he hasn't played a game in triple a just got called up to double a last week but he's still he's been talked about ever since he was 12 and hit a 500 foot home run in the home run derby which is interesting i I think warrants conversation but it's like i how how long can we harp on one thing like let this kid play how how long long can can a kid sit in the spotlight for before he even makes it to the show. Um, right. Well, and how long, how long till that spotlight burns you out? Burns and you, you out. Just say, and you just say, fuck it. Before you I wonder if there's that. ever been a case where someone was close to the majors and just was like, I can't do this anymore. Like this, I'm I just sure. Don't, I'm I just sure. don't love this game. And they just gave up like right, yeah. right before they were going to make it. I don't know. I mean, it's like once it starts feeling like a job to them even though yeah we get it it's a business they get paid to show up every single day but um once it starts feeling like a job they start losing passion for the game and then they just feel like they're working for money and they could do a lot of other things and make money and just that they might be a little bit more passionate about and, and probably make a little more money than what they're making now it, if they're still stuck the, in the minors. The minor leaguers, yeah yeah Cause, and, and then talk about, like we've talked about on past shows, and I might even ask um, Ryan Ward, who will be coming on in a little bit, just kind of about Hopefully. what the life is like as, as, as a minor leaguer. Um, we've heard horror stories here on the show. And those people have to be passionate about the game in order to keep playing because they don't get paid enough to stay there. Mm-hmm. They don't get paid enough to stay there based on to work is what I'm saying. Well, then think of, you think about that. You think about being an affiliated ball. You're not making a lot of money, but you know you're working your way up the ladder. Think about the guys in the independent leagues, man. Like they have, yeah. they literally have nothing ahead of them. They're, they're playing strictly out of passion for the game and they're yeah. hoping to get seen. Yeah. But other, they're Absolutely. not making a lot of money. They're, I, I, Matt, I would have to think they're not making more money than you or yeah. I. Not that you or I are millionaires or anything close to it, but like we just have regular ass day jobs as 26 year olds. And I couldn't imagine that they are making mm-hmm. a salary similar to you or I in the independent leagues. You know, I, I think I haven't been there. You haven't been there, but I think a lot of it boils down to culture. Maybe um, every organization kind of has their own support system. They all kind of operate a little differently. Um, I'm curious to learn how the Dodgers treat their minor leaguers because there's a lot of times where maybe organizations don't really give a shit about these guys as much as, and maybe they're not really a, a farm system based team where they end up just pulling from other rosters anyways, to build up, to build up a, a team. 
and they don't really care about their farm system. And they end up trading them all away anyways. Um, and those are the guys that typically lose the passion for the game. At least it seems from an outsider's perspective. But um, I would love to hear Ryan's thoughts on on that today. Yeah, but regardless, Matt, what the what the fuck do you or I actually know? That's why we're at, that's that's why this that's, is a guest driven. That's show. why we're here. That's why we have microphones here and we bring people on. Okay. Yep. Um. All right. Well, get back to the showcase a little bit. So they would start the day with workouts. They would do BP. Um, they would take all these guys' velocities, all that kind of stuff. Some of the, some of these kids, man, are unbelievably talented. I saw I, just, I'm trying to track this kid down. Can't remember his name. I know if anyone's out there listening to this, if you are number 17 on the perfect game purple team over the last weekend, reach out. And here's why. I've been in baseball for close to 10 years. I've never seen a curveball as good as this kid's in my life. And what it was doing to hitters was insane. Like they, they did not know what to do with it. They could just couldn't hit it, man. You mentioned that to me. What would you say um, the spin rate was? Dude, his spin rate. He was sitting. His spin rate was sitting three thousand to thirty one hundred. For example, major league average on a fat, on a curveball is around twenty five. Twenty five hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Twenty five hundred. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to be, just to be clear, um, it was just it was cool to see him miss bats. It was super cool to see some of the talented hitters that they have in this upcoming class, and it was definitely cool to see the outfielders. One kid that I talked to, he broke the record um, for outfield throw for velocity in per- oh. all of perfect game, one hundred two from the outfield, and that same kid also leads the. He's the number twenty five prospect for next year's draft class. Uh, he's a catcher. It, his pop time is just a smooth 1.7. That's come on. That, yeah, yeah, that's nothing. Yeah, yeah, that's nothing. That's insane. <laughs> is what that is. It is absolutely um, insane. So I talked to a lot of these kids, man, and it was just super cool to hear their perspective. We did a lot of, uh, in terms of content coming out that you guys can expect. We're gonna, you're gonna see a lot of like rapid fire things with a bunch of different uh, kids. One kid who was super insightful was Gary Sheffield's son, Noah Sheffield. Um, so let me tell you a little story about that. Story so time. I see, I see this kid, everyone, thank God everyone at this tournament has like their last names on the back of their shirts. So if I didn't know anyone, I could just look up their name and see like if they were committed, see what position they played, all that kind of stuff. So this kid walks by, he has Sheffield on the back. So I look up Gary Sheffield's kid's names. He's got a few of them just to make sure one of them. So one of them was there, right? So he's hanging out with this other kid. I then separate myself. I'm walking around and I see this kid just walking by himself. So I go up to him and I was like, hey man, I'm Liam, uh, blah, blah, blah. Explain what I was doing. Would love um, if you had a couple seconds just to like do a couple videos. He said, yeah, perfect. So I'm interviewing this kid. And about halfway through this interview, Matt, I realized this is not Gary Sheffield's son. Okay. Okay. And he's going, so I, I get done with the interview and I was like, thanks. The last question I asked him, I go, do you have your dad's swing? He goes, uh, he goes, no, my dad doesn't play sports. So I was like, what the fuck? So whatever, we got done with that. Then he turns around, he's walking away. I see his jersey. It doesn't say Sheffield on the back. So that was that. I got to figure out that kid's name. But so then I found his actual son. He walked in. 
So I went up to him again and I was like, Hey, I'm Liam. This is the right person this time. Um, nice to meet you. Like, do you have a couple seconds for a quick interview? And he said, yeah, sure. So his dad was there. I didn't know that this was his dad. So I dap his dad up just to say, hi, that's what I did with all the parents. Yeah. And then his dad walks away and then I get done and he goes over and hugs his dad. And I was like, holy shit, that's Gary Sheffield. So then you didn't even he, realize. No, I didn't realize at all. And he was wearing the coolest outfit. He just looked like Mr. Cool. It was sick. So then he's walking around the concourse. Obviously, I'm being a creep trying to follow him and get in a video with him. Naturally. And so I walk up to him. I was like, hey, Gary, like I had I had all my sheets and shit ready. I was like, hey, Gary, do you have time for just, I literally got, I have a sheet of probably 20 questions that he's looking at. Like he sees it. I go, you got time for two questions. He has a bottle of Motrin in his hand. He shakes it. He goes, I got to go bring this to my son. I was like, that's uh, you could have just said fuck off. <laughs> all right i'll cut you off so there was, ryan, uh, yeah. <laughs> ryan thanks for joining you just heard uh liam tell an embarrassing story how he got shut down by gary sheffield uh how you doing today man thanks for joining yeah no problem thank you guys for having me you got it uh to give everyone a little background about how we even got this set up so i am work friends with john ruman okay oh. and john ruman reposted you hitting an absolute rope piece into the right field stands. And I'm like, you, you know this kid? And I'm like, we're going to get him on the show, no problem. So I DM'd Ryan. We got him here. It was a few weeks coming. It took us a while to set up, but happy for you to join us, man. Thanks uh, again. Thanks for taking the time. And this is uh, Liam, my co-host, and uh, we're just excited to have you today. Yeah, yeah man. Appreciate you coming on, Ryan. Um, you're actually from Massachusetts, right? Yeah, from Millbury. What, Millbury? Okay. What was your favorite thing to do around Massachusetts when you were back here? Oh, golf. Golf easily. Yeah. You ever been to Granite Links? I've not. No. Ooh. Okay. That's, do you hang out? A... Do you come back here in the off season? Yeah, I spent all my off season back in Millbury. Matt, wow, what a great opportunity for you guys to link yeah. up and hit. Yeah, we, we kick like your ass golf, on the course. <laughs> you know, actually, I was gonna save this for the end, but this is good timing. Um, John told me to tell you that he really hopes you're working on your golf game, dude. John. John better, <laughs> John, John better be working on his golf game. <laughs> who dude, let's just let's just let's square this away right here who's the better golfer me for sure any day like not golf even day. close no not even close how you many how many strokes ask anyone in the friend group i promise you they'll say the same thing if you guys play the match right now how many strokes are you winning by i don't i haven't i haven't played with him in like a year but last time i played with him i'd say at least eight maybe ten that's, I mean, that's that's a pretty wide margin of victory. Yeah. yeah. And um, he also left this with me. He said, "Ask Ryan about getting outdrived by my dad in the longest drive oh. competition." Yeah, that was that was the last time I played with him. Yeah. So it was like a Florida style tourney, and I piped yeah. one down there, and we like moved the stick, and we were like, "Yeah, no one's gonna outdrive this one." Um, and then we we're like at the dinner after they're doing all the prizes and they were like, oh, like Bill Ruman won. And we were like, what? Like, no way he got out there. But he teed off. We found out, find out he was like teeing off like up at like the uh, forward tees and got one. Like out the there. whites? Were they the reds? Yeah, yeah, they oh. were the whites. He was playing the whites and we were playing like back from the blues. He had like 100 yeah, yards yeah, yeah. on me there. Yeah. How far Ryan, was so oh. I was I was just going to ask you how far your drive was. Uh, I was probably close to 300 i would say that was a good yeah. one and it caught downhill so it ran a little bit for me nice 
Ryan, so you, when you hopped in, I was talking about, um, I was just in Arizona last week at the Perfect Game Showcase at Chase Field. You do spring training in Arizona, right? Yeah, yeah, we're in Glendale. Okay. We're like right Got next it. to the Cardinals Stadium. Got it. Okay, yeah. So I've never been to Arizona before. Dude, how do you guys do that shit in that heat all well, day like long? Usually, like, usually when we're there, like during spring training, it's like February, March, so it's really not that bad. Like, I mean, you'll wake up in the morning and it'll be pretty damn cold honestly like you're in a sweatshirt going to the field but by the time the sun comes out it'll warm up damn man i was dealing with like 115 down there and i did not understand but it's a different kind of heat matt and i were just talking about guys like massachusetts this guy's been bitching since he's been back about it and i'm just like all right it was hot man we get it (laughs) yeah it it wasn't literally there just like yeah we were there today so we we took off from sacramento at like 3 a.m today Flew to Phoenix, yep. and then Phoenix here, and Phoenix. We got Phoenix at like it was like seven o'clock in the morning, and it was it was already a hundred and one degrees seven in the morning. Yep. When I got on my flight last Thursday, the pilot announced I got on my flight in New Jersey at seven a.m. The pilot announced that in Arizona it was currently ninety six degrees. Yeah. He said, "Perfect, can't wait, can't <laughs> wait for this." Um, but it is a different kind of heat. Like in, I feel like 85 in Massachusetts, you're walking around dripping sweat just because yeah, of the humidity. Yeah, it's more humid out here for sure. Yeah, it's just a dry heat out there. It's just like, mm-hmm. you're just, you know, you're hot, but you're not, there's nothing you can really do about it. Yeah. And you don't, I don't know. You didn't, I didn't, like I didn't sticky. find myself feeling like gross. Yeah. Yeah. It's not sticky. It's not like heavy heat. It's just like, oh damn, it's hot out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, we don't have to talk about the weather the whole time. I was planning about talking about some baseball. I don't know about you guys, but uh so Ryan, um, so far you started 37 games this year. That sounds about right. Um, looks like a little bit of left field, right field, maybe some first base, and then a couple games at DH as well. Uh, could you kind of tell everyone who's Ryan Ward as a player? How would you kind of describe yourself in, in short? Yeah. Um, I mean, coming out of college, I wasn't really known for my power. Like I was more of an average guy, wasn't really striking out. Um, but when I got to the Dodgers, like went through some swing changes and first year in pro ball, I hit four home runs and then came back the next year at 27 and then 28. Um, I ended up losing a little bit of average and strikeouts went up. So I kind of became more of a power guy. But I mean, I just kind of tried to put together good at bats and I was an outfielder, uh, started learning first base last year. Didn't really play there that much, just kind of like learning the ropes and then went to spring training this year and, and really started playing first base. So that's kind of, that's kind of new to me still this year, something I'm learning about. How do you what feel kind of, you're adjusting to first base, Ryan? I think first base is, is going pretty smooth. I mean, in college, there was like a season where I played second base for a year, um, just like due to like get guys in the lineup in the outfield, we needed outfielders out there. So I moved into the infield. So I feel like that's helped me a lot. Um, it's more about like learning positioning where I'm supposed to be on certain plays with someone on first, someone on second, like learning all those, those little things that people probably wouldn't even notice if they were just watching the game. And forgive me if this is like an ignorant question. We actually, I don't know if you know who Nick York is. Um, and the, he's in the Red Sox system. Um, he's one of their top prospects. Um, and we spoke to him earlier this season and he was talking about a swing change as well. And out of curiosity, I guess, how common is it at the professional level to start making those swing changes? Um, yeah, for some I mean, reason, I thought in my head that it doesn't happen often, but now you're the second person that's talked about a swing change. I guess what swing changes have you gone through and is it more common than people think? Yeah, I mean, I went through like a total revamp. Like I was like a 
no stride, like very like east to west, straight through the zone um, type of guy. So a lot of guys really don't go through like a major swing change. Like there'll be like little things that like you learn and like different feels that you're going for. But for me, it was like I went from that into a toe tap to try and like keep my weight back and and trying to change my path from east to west to more north to south, um, trying to catch balls, get them in the air balls like especially to like left field so oppo like i was carving them like that east to west i would kind of just like slice the ball that way and rather than like drive one so mm-hmm. those are big things so i went to the toe tap uh my first year in pro ball then we had the covid year which honestly for me was huge like i was doing total revamp for the swing so i had a whole year of right. just cage work like figuring it out and uh towards the end of the covid year we changed it finally into a leg kick um so I was able to get that down and then getting to spring training that year was the first time I was facing pitching with the leg kick. So like learning the timing for all that, like trying to get through that, it was a tough spring. I went through it, but eventually like started to get the hang of it, get the timing down. And then that's kind of when like the homers started coming for me. Who were you working with Ryan in the off season of the COVID season? Like were teams remotely giving you workout programs? Were you like sending video to the hitting coaches? Like how did, how did that work? Yeah, it was all that. So we would have like a Zoom once a week with like a coach, a fun group of guys, like kind of just like talk about stuff, go over like uh, film or defensive positioning or defensive plays um, for strength conditioning. It was you were just working with a strength coach from back there every week. You had a plan. You had your workouts. You get them done uh, for hitting. Yeah. Take a video, send a video. There was days where I would set up like my phone on like a tripod face it to me and have AirPods in and just be on FaceTime with a hitting coach while I was hitting. So like, it was kind of like they were there, like, just like, okay, that was a good round. Like, let's work on this. Like, let's try this, this round instead of like doing a whole day of hitting, then sending them the video and having to wait to see. Um, it was a lot better just to like make the adjustment right away and not waste a day. Yeah. yeah that's, that, that's crazy, man, that, that you guys have to go through that, that year, but that did actually, um, it's a good segue into one of my other questions is, how much one-on-one coaching do you guys get at your level? Like, do you get everyday one-on-one coaching or how does that work? Because Liam and I did not play professional baseball. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can get it. Like there's a lot of team settings. So like we get to the field early, like I'm there seven o'clock game, probably there around like noon, one o'clock, get your lift in, uh, do your conditioning. And then you got like team defense where like infielders go out, take run balls, outfielders. Um, but you always have like, the option to do something extra like you can ask a coach like mm-hmm. hey, uh, i want to work on this today like can we go out a little bit early and like kind of dial this in so i mean it's kind of on you if you're learning something they're gonna mm-hmm. they're gonna or like they see something they'll they'll come to you but like more of like hey like i want to get better at this can we spend some extra time on it yeah. Ryan, I'm curious are your accommodations in spring training the same as in season like in terms of quality uh so in spring training you get Either you can either live in a hotel or you can get Airbnb and like kind of get stipend for it. In season, we have like apartments set up for us while we're here. Mm-hmm. So you guys got, um, you came in the league at, in 2019, right? Yep, I got drafted. Okay, right. So then I believe it was last year they made the changes to the minor league system where like you guys are getting paid, you're getting housing. How much did that affect you? Oh, I mean, that was huge because in, so in 2019, I had, I lived with the host family, a uh, great family, like awesome. But like living with the host family can be awkward. Like you you walk in and they're like, Oh, like take whatever you want. Like this is your house. And it's like, it's, it's awkward to like go in the kitchen and start taking yeah. snacks out of someone's house. Mm-hmm. Like, 
a little awkward. And then the next year, uh, well, not next year because that was COVID. So 2021, I lived in an apartment with three guys, two beds. One guy lived in the living room on the floor um, hmm. because the host families, there was flooding in Michigan. It was a whole disaster. And like we had nowhere to go. And we're like, we're not going to live in a hotel and every week have to pack up everything that we own and go to another hotel and come back. So yeah. we all got an apartment and like we were spending half our paychecks, like just trying to pay rent. So them setting up housing and doing this for us was huge. Did your, um, Ryan, we don't have to get into specifics, but like, did your pay increase significantly after that happened? Yeah. To the point yeah, where I, like I you were, you can live yeah. comfortably now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Nice. Very nice. Did you ever have, um, since you've been an affiliated ball, have you ever had an off season job? Yeah, I work every single off season. I go home. My dad is a. Uh, oh, you old, still do? Yeah, I still do to this day. Every whenever I go home, I'll take probably two, three weeks off, and then I go work with my dad for the town parks department. And you do oh, wow. you're like doing landscaping, landscaping and stuff. Yeah, taking care of like all the field, like town fields, cemeteries, stuff like that, uh, commons. Oh wow, good for you, man. Wow. Jeez, all around the Millbury area. Yep, just in Millbury, strictly. In Millbury. Is that your dad's, uh, like your family's business? Uh, no, no, it's for the uh, town. Oh, just so for the town. Like, yeah, town of Millbury, yeah. Very nice. So you got a little pension with the town of Millbury. <laughs> <laughs> Working on it. Sweet, sweet. <laughs> so Ryan, what has been? Because I know now in three and a half seasons you made the jump all the way to AAA. What has been the most difficult leap for you? Was it, uh, you know, high A to double A? Was it double A to triple A? Where, I guess, did you feel like that has been the biggest milestone of my career? Yeah, this is this is a good question. I was talking about this. Uh, so, like, one of our hitting coordinators that I'm really close with was actually in Sacramento, and we were just talking about this. I say the hardest leap for me was probably double A to here. Like, just yeah. being around, like, or facing, like, veteran guys. Like So, double A, you got, like, the prospects. Like, here's 100 miles an hour. I'm going to throw it as hard as I can. I'm going to throw you all my best stuff. Like, now here with, like, guys who have big league time who are, like, trying to get back there, it's more of, like, they're just control guys. Like I know how to get you out and I'm going to stay there until you prove that you can. And like, that's a hard adjustment for me when like mm -hmm. someone's throwing 90, 93 instead of a hundred and just constantly getting me out with the same stuff. Cause like I'm not making the adjustment or they're just putting it exactly where they want. So mm -hmm. it's been a hard jump. I've had a, I had a tough start to the year, um, but just like trying to work mentally and, and work on approach stuff has been huge for me this year. How do you like stay up, Ryan? You said you're going through a little bit of a rough year so far this year. How do you how do you maintain like your motivation to get better? Yeah, I mean it's tough. There's there's been days where like like sending texts out, like I just I have no answers. I said to my dad, I was I text him after a game, I was like, I got nothing left. Like I, I don't know what to do. I feel lost. Um it's a grind. It's just uh we have like a bunch of mental skills coach here as well. Um so like just being able to talk to him, like uh, coming up with ways to to regain that confidence to like get the edge get that edge back and just just try to flush that night and flush what's happened before so like coming after we just had the all-star break so the all-star break was nice like release like come back like new half just picture everything's at zero don't look at the board none of that matters like just trying to stay in like a good headspace um it's a lot harder during the game than it is after after the game it's like i suck tonight like nothing I can do about now, but like in the middle of the game, like you're over two, two strikeouts. And it's like, what, what's going on? Or like you, sometimes you just feel like you're in this constant loop where like you make an adjustment 
you have a good at bat and then the next at bat you just go right back to what you're doing and mm-hmm. just trying to break that cycle like just keep keep your confidence up Brian, how valuable do you find the mental skills coaches? And do you find that your teammates are using them a lot as well? Yeah, I mean, they've, they've taught me things that like, I've never thought about, like just simple, like breathing techniques that you're on deck, like, I'm over two, I'm angry, like, I'm ready to get up there and like, do like, just get out, get after something like I'm gonna do some damage on this pitch, like just taking those breaths or working on the breathing techniques while you're on deck, like just calm everything down, slow it down. Because like this game speeds up on you in milliseconds. Like if you're so just like trying to slow everything down, like catch a breath, like take a breather and and, and come up with a plan rather than just go up there and be like, I'm going to do something here because you start pressing, you're, you're going to go worse. Have you also seen like the on the opposite end, people not really as receptive towards mental skills coaches, coaches and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, everyone has their own ways uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Some people like have their own thing that they go do that like, isn't really along the mental skills things that they teach, but it works for them. So, so yeah. I'm do you have any own. like, do you have any like uh, superstitions or routines you do before you get in the box? Oh yeah, I always every pitch before clean it out, uh, just the batting gloves. It's just mainly like I clean the dirt because I want to see like where I'm landing. So mm-hmm. like I take a pitch, I can look down, like see where my cleat was, clean it all out, make it flat again. Next pitch, see if where it was, like kind of something like that. Mm-hmm. Outside of like the mental health coaches, do you have any other mentors in the Dodgers organization that you look up to or talk to on a maybe daily basis? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned him earlier with the hitting director. Um, yep. He was uh, he was the hitting coach in Double A last year with me last year, so we like became really close, like uh, created a really good relationship. I mean, we talk about hitting mainly, but like it's good to just go with him, go to him with stuff too, like mm-hmm. mentally. I've talked to him a bunch this year, or my dad, family, everyone, just everyone around me. Mm-hmm. Ryan, who do you have representing you? Who's your agent? Uh, it's Octagon Sports. Oh, okay, very nice. Alan and Lunero, yeah. Very nice. What led you uh, to your decision to sign with them as opposed to a different agency? And follow-up question to that, being from Massachusetts, like baseball isn't super popular up there, as you know. When did uh, scouts and teams start talking to you? Yeah, um, well, so first question, to sign with them. Uh, so Alan's, they're from, Alan and Lou are originally from Rhode Island. Uh, mm-hmm. Alan was the wrestling coach at URI. So I was in summer ball. He came all the way out to Rhode Island, like took us out to lunch. Um, and when we left the lunch, I, we, me and my family, my parents, we agreed that like, it didn't feel like a sales pitch. It felt like we were just like there talking, like having a conversation yeah. with someone. Like he did a really good job of like not making it seem like he was trying to sell himself to us. Um, and we created a really good relationship, went to a couple more lunches, and like it, it just ended up being an easy decision for me to go with them. Uh, started meeting his family as well. His wife uh, comes out to dinner with us in Arizona. Um, so we just have a really good relationship. How many lunches would you say it took before you were like, all right, man, you're, you're my guy? It was pretty much after the first one. Like We, okay. we kind of like looked up that first lunch and was like, wow, like that was, that was that, there he is. And are those conversations like, hey, Ryan, you're really good. I've done this in the past. Like, I think I can do this for you. Uh, a little bit, not, not as much. I'm sure with like the top end guys, like the guys that they know are going first round, it's more a little bit of, of honey potting like that. But for me, it was more like you're from this area. Like we've heard good things about you. We've, we know that people have interest in you and we're willing to take a chance, like ride with you. If, if you want to ride with us, kind of, kind of along those lines. Nice. Um, but yeah, so for scouting, uh, when I was in high school, obviously super small school, like mm-hmm. 
D5. I don't even know what it was. I think it was like D5. Yeah. But uh, there was like a little interest. Kind of figured like no chance. Like only had one offer uh, for school coming out of high school, Bryant, which I ended up going to. Um, but yeah, it was probably I broke my wrist my freshman year, like eight games in. So redshirt freshman. Oh, you got hit. Surgery. I had surgery diving for a fly ball. Broke my wrist. Like glove got caught under me. Um, so watch that whole year, redshirt sophomore year. I came back. I hit. I like broke a couple records. Had a really good year, and that's kind of. Oh weird. no, big deal. Okay. Yeah, that was kind of weird. A couple started coming. <laughs> it also helped that like we would play big schools early in the year. Like we would play against like Auburn, Arkansas, LSU. Like we'd fly down there and and play them. We'd pretty much get crushed, but we it was just a like, good experience. Still an amazing experience, I'm sure. Yeah. Though. Unreal, unreal experience. Stays on there. I would love to get crushed by LSU on their field. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was when they were one. It was sick. Yeah. Um, I just lost my question, Matt. Go. Sorry. Um, so I actually had a couple questions for you about changes in the game. Um, so obviously, you know, pace of play is like almost record. This year went from over three hours last year now down to like, I think it's like two and a half hours on average on the MLB level of game. What do you like about the new pace of play rules and what do you not like? I I personally, I love it. Like, I think that Mm -hmm. the game's moving at a quicker pace. Like, the only time kind of stinks is like, sometimes you do get rushed in the box, but like the pitcher's also getting rushed. But I mean, we have to be in the box looking at them eight seconds, like looking at them when we're getting a strike. But um, I haven't really noticed it speed me up that much. It's more like it's almost a little better. Like there's times where yeah, I'd like some time to like think about what's happening and like okay, like he's throwing me this. Let's, mm-hmm. let's go through this and bat so far. But sometimes like that gets me thinking the whole time, and all of a sudden the ball's past me. So right. like just being able to like get out, take a breath, get back in. Like here we go. Um, the game speed though is so much better. Like some of those games, oh, yeah. you're, you're playing in a long game, like there's no fog, and you're in the outfield, and it's just like, oh, it's like this game needs to be over. Like it's the sixth inning, we're three hours in. Like, come the on. Dog man. days in Arizona. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not to completely change the topic, but it, the new pace of play amazes me. So, me and my buddies, we went out last weekend, or the last time the Red Sox were home in Boston, and they're like, hey, you guys want to go down to the Fenway area, like to go to the bars area? And I'm like, ah, well, it's game day. The bar is usually crazy after the game. It was only 8.45. We got there at 9.10. 7 o'clock start, Fenway Park was emptying at 9.10 for a 7.05 pitch. It's crazy. It's crazy. The game was over in, it was like, two, it was just slightly over two hours. Yeah. It's, it, that's like a we didn't get into any of the bars because it was crazy. But like usually you're like, well, yeah, it's like not even 9 o'clock yet. No way the yeah. game's over when we got Bars there. The, game be the field will be, the stadium will be packed still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ryan, whether it's been um, high school, college, spring training, a rehab assignment, who has there been a pitcher where that you face where you've stepped in the box and you're just like, oh, fuck, what am I going to do here? Oh, yeah. There's been a few of those guys. <laughs> there, there's, been, there's been a few. There's one this year uh, with the Giants. He's like their number one prospect, Kyle Harrison. Mm hmm. Left-handed pitcher, oh man! Like, you get in the box, like I'm choking up, and like let's just let's just try to touch something here. Like, <laughs> like let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's also a dude on the um, Padres. I can't think of his name right now, but he throws a knuckleball, 
and like he'll he, he like throws a knuckleball like not like mm-hmm. he'll show it like he'll that's his pitch yeah and then like really yeah it's like 80 mid 80s and then he's got 95 with it too like just to show you so like that's a real jesus yeah that's really tough bad. damn i gotta find out who this is now i'm gonna <laughs> he's in triple a with the Padres. he's triple a with the padres yeah I think right. right now. I face them in high A, double A, and now here. Do you, right, Ryan? Right. Do you find it, um, like you just said, high A, double A, triple A? Like they're obviously getting better. Is it more difficult for you as the levels go up, facing the same pitcher, or is it because it's the same pitcher with the same essential repertoire? Is it a little easier for you, like yeah. a third time through the lineup, if you will? Yeah. Some there's there's some guys where it's like, oh, like okay, yeah, I faced this guy a bunch. Like I know what to expect. And like mm-hmm. being able to pull video and be like, okay, this is how he got me out the past last year. And this is where I had success. So like, let's go here against this guy rather than a new guy where it's like, okay, I know what he throws and we're just going to go in with the, our game plan of like my strengths and hope that he misses there. Are you a guy, Ryan, who like you want as much information on an opposing pitcher as possible, or does that kind of get too into your own head? Yeah, it's that. Exactly. Yeah, it gets too much in my head. Like I want to, if I'm looking for a pitcher, I want to know what pitches he throws. I don't care what the percentages are. I just want to know what pitches he throws, mm-hmm. how hard they are, um, and like where does he get hit the hardest. Those are probably the three things that I want to know. Like where should I be looking to do damage? Like where does he give it up? What pitches does he throw, and how hard are they? Where do you typically look to do damage? Like what's your pitch? My pitch, fastball for sure. Fastball up. I have like a. I'm. I'm anything i try to avoid down because i get chase happy down there obviously i'll chase up too occasionally but like i'm looking for something like a little above the belt are you mostly a pull hitter not really no it's kind of like a pretty good spray chart yeah um it's good like my homers are probably like 50 50 between left and and pull so again that's the swing change like i never had that ability before this new swing what were you doing before for the swing, I know you said it earlier in the show. I apologize for not remembering. Yeah, I was doing like no stride, um, like super east to west, and that was if I was in a home run, I was pulling it for sure. If I was, okay. if I was hitting something like oppo, it was just like kind of like slice double, maybe something in the gap. Like it wasn't gonna, it wasn't gonna travel out that far. We talk about this with a lot of our guests, Ryan. What was your like welcome to the pros moment? Ooh, my welcome to the pros moment. Honestly, it was probably like one of the first days I got to Ogden. So I went, to, I got drafted, went to Arizona for like a few days, probably like five, maybe a week. Um, then went to Ogden. And when I got to Ogden, like just realizing like you're on your own, like you, you can do what you want. You can show up when you want you. It, it's your career. Like you do what you want. And like, just not having, I mean, they hold you accountable, but like my head coach at college held me way more accountable than they do like it's it's your career like you do what you want like you're here to help so like just trying to get a grasp on like i need to keep this edge like i need to keep working i need to keep wanting to get better because like if i don't want to then there's no one there to like keep pushing you do do you have any like embarrassing rookie stories or anything you want to share it was oh i think it was my third at bat so first at bat of my career i swung at the first pitch and hit it about six feet on the ground um next at bat struck out and then my next at bat i was really nervous third at bat i had already struck out hit a ball about six feet and they brought in a reliever um 
And I was like, okay, like this is his first batter he's facing. Like he's going to throw me a heater. He's going to throw me a heater. And he let it go. It started like down and in. And I took a hack at it and a slider hit me right in the foot, full swing, wow. hit me right in the foot, down on the ground. I went, it was, oh, oh it was. Did you finish the at bat? I'm going to see a bat. I am freaking out, but like I walked back to the dugout. It was just, I just, everyone's looking at me. Just like, yeah, I know. Just let's flush that one. That one still follows me around to this day. People bring it up all the time. Ryan, you mentioned that um, Bryant was the only team to offer you something out of high school. Was there ever a point in your career where you considered going to a JUCO or, or vice versa? Was there ever a point where when you only had that one offer from Bryant, did you like, was it kind of up in the air, your future in baseball? Yeah, so, I mean, JUCO never really was um, – JUCO is not really big up with us. Like, yeah. I didn't even really know yeah. what JUCO was for, like, baseball school at the time. Like, coming out of small high school, I didn't really understand the whole, like, JUCO baseball thing. I didn't know that it was even really a thing. Um, mm-hmm. I had interest from other schools, D1. Like, I was talking to other schools, but when I went to Bryant for my first visit, um, I went with my dad and my mom and, and we went to Bryant and it was like, we're just going to, we're going to go do this visit to like get, um, an idea of how this process works. Like, let's see what like visiting a school is like, all this stuff. I had no intention of going to Bryant. I was like, this place is way too close to home. They hadn't offered me yet at this point, but I was like, this place is way too close to home. I'm not coming here. Like I, I want to go down South to play or like a bigger school up here. Um, so we met the coach, met the coaching staff, walked around, and, and when we left, we were leaving, and, and we pulled out of the driveway, and I was like, I'm coming here. If they offer me, I'm coming here. Like, completely changed my tune. I fell in love with the school. I loved the coaching staff. Um, and yeah, they offered me a couple weeks later, and sure enough, that's where I ended up. So like, you I, think I, 11 I only had one offer, but like, I never really, like... I committed pretty early, so like I didn't really. I had other interests, but as soon as they offered, I went there. But like also, like at the same time, I'm not sure if other schools would have offered or if I would have had the same opportunity, kind of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So my brother Ryan, he's uh 2025. He's graduating next year. He's in the process of like touring schools and stuff like that. What is that? What was that process like from you? What do you remember from your tour in Bryant? And what would what advice would you give to players like that that are currently um like looking at schools, going yeah. on tours, um, meeting so teams, me, coaches, like, et cetera. Yeah. Coming out of, again, Millbury small school. Um, I had these dreams of going to a huge school down South or like a big school up here, like I said, but when I got there and uh, walked around, like everyone, you're going to, everyone knows you're coming. So when, when you start meeting people, everyone's got a smile on their face. They're, they're going to act like they're the nicest people in the world. Uh, but like paying attention more to like the school was huge for me because like I was walking around like we we're seeing classrooms and stuff and it's like oh like there's like 30 kids in a cl- every class uh, there's like here's the cafeteria here's the field here's the facilities we have here's what we're building um, and I think I quickly realized that like if I'm in a lecture hall and, and 400 kids are there like I'm not gonna do so well I'm not gonna like have a good academics I'm probably gonna slack off like not pay attention as much and having like that small classroom size for me like again held me accountable like i have to get this stuff done um 
just keeping accountability on my shoulders and it felt like a really good fit for me rather than going to a big school and like feeling lost and feeling mm-hmm. like overwhelmed by everything so it ended up being a perfect fit i think that's like kind of something you have to look into is like are you like sports aside are you going to be comfortable like at that school like are you going to be able to get done what needs to get done while you're there and plus brian's in a great location too like yeah rhode island, i love rhode island like where where'd you guys go to the beach to hang out down there I want to. Uh, we we just go down to like Newport if we're going anywhere. Spend yeah. a lot of time in like Providence around yeah, there. That's a place to be. And I didn't want to be. I was like just way too close to home, but it was perfect. Like didn't need a car if I wanted to go home for a dinner. Yeah. Like just need to get away for a little bit. I could in half hour be home. Yeah. Right. So you were an eighth rounder, right? Yes, eighth round. Um. So what do you remember from the day you got drafted, and then those next couple of days? Because the draft did just happen. And all these kids are going through the same process right now. Yeah, so going into the draft, um, like talking with my agency, like kind of going back and forth, we were expecting like anywhere from the second to the seventh round was kind of like the the projection of where we were. That's a go. big range, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we just figured like probably top ten. Um, mm-hmm. So the first day, I mean, I watched day one, which is the first round only at that time. Um, watch it, just watch it to watch. It. Like I knew nothing was going to happen. I knew. Just kind of was like, let's watch. Like, I might be a part of this draft. Like, let's see what happens. Um, yeah. So I watched it. Next day was day two, where it was, uh, what, two through ten? I think day two was two through ten at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, all my friends, like, wanted to come hang out. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, if you guys want to hang out, go ahead, because I'm not sure this is going to happen. And I don't want to have, like, a huge party at my house. And then the tenth round ends, and we're all just sitting here like, ooh, well, this is <laughs> ooh. So that'd be tough. That'd be tough. It was like me, my dad, my grandma, my aunt, my sister, and my mom. Uh, We just watched, sat there, watched. One of my friends went over to my buddy's house. um, We're watching, and the draft was going. Picks were going by, picks were going by, picks were going by. And then my agent called. Um, I was talking, talking to me about some stuff, and he's like, hey, like these guys have interests, like blah, blah, blah. And it was like, oh, like sweet. So, like, this might actually happen. And then they picked and I didn't get picked. So then it was just like, it was the most roller coaster emotional day. Like it was like, oh, it's going to happen. Oh, it's not going to happen. Oh, it's going to happen. Oh, it's not going to happen. Um, like we six were, rounds of just pure anxiety. Yeah. And, just, and we were, we were probably going to sit down. Yeah. So I got to, I got to end up getting a call where I was told I was going to be taken in the 11th round, their first pick in the 11th round on day three. Um, and so I was like, okay, so like it's not going to happen today. So I guess like we can kind of shut this down. And like we were streaming um, off my laptop onto the TV, like the draft. And mm-hmm. my buddy texted me, Jack Gibson from Bryant, and he goes, "Congrats, buddy." And I, was, I sat there, I was like, "What are you? What are you talking about?" And he goes, "The Dodgers, bro." And I was like, "What?" And I looked up, and it was like LA's on the clock. And literally, I like looked up to my family. I was like, "Uh, guys." Uh, I think like something's about to happen right here. And sure enough, they like 20 seconds later that went through and like they picked me, came up on the board and like we freaked out. It was awesome. Wow. That's incredible. You don't get a phone call before. They called me after they picked me. I had no idea. Some, most of the time they call you before, but I had. Yeah. No yeah. Um, so then all my buddies came over. Like we all like, drinking palm balls like celebrating it having a great night uh two days later we had like a huge party at my grandma's house like 
everyone that I knew like came over, we were playing, hanging out, like celebrating it. Um, and then the morning after that, I was on a flight to Arizona. I was out. Did you have a uh, signing bonus in the ninth round, Ryan? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, they get you get signing bonus everywhere you get picked in the draft. Mm, just depends on how much it is, right? Yeah, yeah. It depends, yeah. like as you go. Got it. Uh, Ryan, I had a uh, quick rapid fire round for you. I wanted to fire through, so I got five questions for you. Okay. All right, and I'm gonna rip right through them, and I want honest answers. All right. Yeah. All right. Cool. If you had to put money down, I think I already know the answer to this based off of our talk earlier. If you had to put money down on who on your team right now would hit the furthest, straightest drive, who would it be? Devin Mann. Oh, I thought you were going to say yourself. Okay. No, Devin Mann. He hits a bomb drive. Karaoke song of choice. Ooh. Um, I can't think of the name of it. I can't think of the name of it. Just, you sing, can just it. sing it then. Dude, uh, tattoo on your shoulder. Pull me in, lean closer. Closer, closer. Oh, oh also, yeah. and the chain smokers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I literally okay. said it. I was, I like, was oh, thinking about like that too much. That took me a minute. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, oh, I kind of already asked you your most embarrassing moment earlier, so we're going to skip over that one. Uh, in a world where baseball doesn't exist, what's your career? Uh, I would hope golfer, but most likely I'd probably be at the town parks department with my dad. Fair enough. You're something honest. Up. That's probably where I'd yeah. be right now. Um, and this has been a very hot question on the show and I don't like repeat questions, but this one is a reoccurring thing. I asked Trevor Rosenthal earlier, uh, on a f- several episodes ago, he got this wrong. This is not an opinion. Pineapple on pizza. Yes or no? No. Thank you. Yeah. No. no Next. No. Not at all. Next at at Trevor <laughs> Rosenthal. Thank you. Both of you are wrong. Um, oh, right, real quick, before we let you go, man, I have Matt is notoriously awful at uh, trivia. So right now I have six trivia questions with a seventh in case you guys are tied. If you're ready for it, and then we'll let you go. Okay. Sounds good. All right. So I'm going to read the question. Like, is it just shout, shout, shout it out? Um, no, I'm going to read the question. Ryan's going to answer, then you're going to answer, Matt. Oh, okay. 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 First question. What year did Jackie Robinson break the color barrier? Oh, Oh. this is, if anyone on the Dodgers watches this, they're going to hate me. (laughs) I have no idea. I have no idea. Uh, I'm gonna, let, I'm gonna let Ryan take a guess first. I have a, I have a rough. I know. I'm trying to think. They're still in Brooklyn. Nine. I know it was nineteen. We just celebrated like so many years of Jackie Robinson too. Mm-hmm. I think like, it was, I think it was seventy five. Oh, you, you... yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's do some math here now. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't know if that's accurate. I don't know if it was seventy fifth or some other anniversary. But all right, uh, nineteen forty eight. I guess that would that yeah. would have been mine based off of seventy five years. Before but... before that, I was gonna say nineteen forty two. So thank you for the math, Matt. I, I, you know, just to make things interesting, I'm gonna say forty nine. But I know that's not the right math. I just don't know. 
Both of you are wrong. 1947. Oh. Uh, 0 for 2, both of you. 0 for 1, both of you. Who is the only player to win an MVP in both leagues? Ryan. MVP in both leagues? Miguel Cabrera? Is it him? No, that's a good guess, though. Matt? Only He's the only player to ever do it? Yeah. Two MVPs? You don't get unlimited time. Yes, I said the question three times. <sighs> I'm just, I'm just buying, I'm just buying time over here. <laughs> there's, there's literally five seconds left on this clock. Jesus. Um, God, I don't even think. You're, you're wrong. You're Age, wrong. Okay, what? Frank Robinson is the answer. And that wasn't, that was not coming out of my mouth. So. Okay, I think this one. I think you, this one's more like you guys will have a better shot at this one. Who holds the record for most hits in a season? Oh, I know this one. Ryan. Uh, most hits in a season. Pete Rose. Good guess, Matt. Ich- Ichiro. Ah. Yep. yep. There we go. Ryan, please do not let this guy beat you. Oh, dude, I might be worse at trivia than he is. I mean, you asked me an odd question off the rib, but I had no idea. Let's go. Okay. Who won the first ever World Series, Ryan? Uh, I don't even know, like, the original teams back then. Yeah, did you have if to? You say, if you say the, te- the modern-day team, I will give, I'll give that to you. Okay. So, Go, uh, Royals. Matt, I thought it was the Red Sox. It is the Red Sox, nineteen oh three, Boston American. Oh, now Boston <laughs> people hate me too. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like the Red Stockings or something. I don't know. But, okay, uh-oh. question number f- question number five. Matt's still winning one nothing. Ryan, I need I two? need you two with these last. Two. Two. Oh shit! Yeah, I need to get hot. Right, oh, he's gotta get the next two, and then you gotta suck out with like a. Tiebreaker or something. Um, okay. Ryan, who was the last player to win a triple crown? Miguel Cabrera. Matt. Okay. So that, that give that to him two to one. Two to one. All right. I don't Oh wow. Ryan. I dude, I didn't even meet, put this together like this with Dodgers and stuff like that, but this is another one. If you got it wrong, it might be bad. Uh Shockwaves. What what pitcher threw the only perfect game in World Series history? Uh, Oral Hershiser. Matt. Sandy Koufax. No, I'll give you both one more guess. Oh, damn. I thought when you said Sandy Koufax, I was like, oh, that's right. I actually don't know why I said Dodgers, so get that out of both of your heads. Sorry. Oh, oh okay. Oh, okay. So now you're <laughs> my fault. Back. My fault. Yeah, no, my <laughs> fault. Now I'm all over the place. <laughs> oh, boy. Game, World Series history. I feel like there's just, I just saw this on like TikTok or something. And I want to say Roy Holiday, but I know that was not in the World Series. I don't have a guess. I, uh, Don Larson, 1956. Oh, yeah, yeah. Come on, I never got that. See, see, Ryan. See, like this is the shit I have to deal with. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, how Matt, many you, Matt, you host a fucking podcast, a baseball podcast. You should know shit. Go around Fenway, Fenway Park. Five out of the forty thousand fans will know the answer to that. Yeah, that I, if, if that helps you sleep at night. 
I disagree with both of you wholeheartedly on that. But Ryan Ward, thank you so much for joining us, man. Best of luck this season. We'll sure be sure to catch up with you at some point later this year. Um, and hit us up. We're going to be putting out content from this soon. Um, thank you so much, man. It was a great conversation. Really appreciate it. And looking forward to watching you progress in your career. Appreciate you taking the time, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you guys. I had a blast on here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We'll All talk right. soon. I'll see you guys later. And you can just like hang out here now like oh okay for like two seconds